Yes, he is all the time. Never ending goodness and loving kindness. You can find your place in, um, we're going to start in 1 Samuel 15, 22 this morning. We'll pray and get started here. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place and your anointing here to break the yoke off us, Father, to guide us into all your truth, into all the light that you have for us, Father, that you have come to give, we have come to receive, and we open ourselves to you right now that whatever it is you have for us, we're ready for it, Father, because we know that we need it, and we look forward to the direction, to the correction, to the instruction, Father, whatever it is, we're here to receive, and we we endeavor to follow after you in this service and, and believe that we will receive what you have for us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Active participation, right? Not just passive observers, right? Because if you're a passive observer, you're not going to get anything. You've got to be an active participant. Because <clears throat> when you pull, when you pull in the Holy Spirit, he's going to give. You know, it's not, if you just come in here to see a show, first off, don't come here to see a show. Yeah, we're, we're not very good performers, at least not in, not in my own estimation. Uh, you, can, you can get a better show somewhere else. But if you've come to receive, this is the right place because the Holy Spirit's here. You make demands on him and he will provide. Don't always like what he has to say because <laughs> sometimes it comes in the form of correction. Uh, but it's good for us no matter what he has. Amen. So here in, uh, in 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two, and I'm reading out of the New King James. Um, I've been following after the, the kind, of, kind of meandering along the subject line of God's will for our lives for, the, gosh, probably almost the entirety of the year that I've been up here. Um, and as the year draws to a close, I believe I'm coming to a close. Not that we're finished with the subject, because good luck finishing on any subject in the Bible, but as far as our discussions go with me up here, I think we're coming to a close. Um, but I wanted to kind of wrap things back around and come back to the simplicity of God's design, of God's will for our lives. Because a lot of believers get caught up in thinking things are way more complex than they actually are. Um, and that's the, that's the lie of the enemy, um, because he, he wants things to be complex. Um, because the harder they are, the harder, air quotes, scare quotes, they are to understand, the more confusion that there is the more unsurety of moving in on God's desires and designs for your life, the more complex, the harder it is for people to make decisions. So that's the enemy's game. Because he wants you to be confused. He wants you to not know what to do. He wants you to question yourself every step of the way. That's what he wants. God, that's not God's design, though. And that's where we're, we're going to kind of talk on that today. And we've touched on it in times past, but never hurts to have a refresher, right? Yeah. So here in 1 Samuel 15, 22, the backstory here is Saul had, uh, sorry, the Lord had come through Samuel to Saul and said, hey, I want you, and this is the MacArthur prayer phrase, not the big one, but my one, um, that he came to Saul and said, I want you to go wipe out this nation. And when he said wipe out, he means wipe out. Nothing, nothing survives. You don't bring anything back. No human, no animal, no nothing survives or leaves. That was the order from God through the prophet Samuel. And Saul, when he went over there, started out good and then meandered some way towards the middle and ended up bringing back spoils and didn't kill the king and basically didn't listen and do what God told him to do. And 
Samuel came and confronted him about it. And Saul made all kinds of excuses, you know, as he was wont to do and throughout his life story in the Bible. He said, you know, it was the people, it was this, it was that, and, and I did it for good intentions, and, and I did it so I could have offerings to provide to the Lord, to your God, he said to Samuel, which is always a red flag. Um, but this, this was Samuel's response. It said, so Samuel said, has the Lord has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. So now that's pointing quite, quite vividly to God is interested in obedience. He's not interested in our excuses. You know, he's in that, that, I'm, I'm going to try to not be harsh, but we come up with a lot of excuses when, when co- God comes to us and tells us to do something, all of a sudden it's a, it's a role of, well, I'm busy, I'm this, I'm that. He's not interested. He understands. He, he, he was not unaware of your circumstance when he came and asked you to do something. <laughs> he knew exactly what was going on in your life. He knew exactly what was on your plate. He knew exactly what you were dealing with when he came to you and said, this is what I want you to do. And he's interested in obedience, not sacrifice. Now, what it says is obedience is better than sacrifice. That doesn't mean there's no sacrifice. And sacrifices here, at least I believe in, in the language and the way that it's written, is talking about the asking of forgiveness. So don't come and ask for forgiveness. He wants you to obey. Yeah. Don't sacrifice on the back end and say, I'm sorry, Lord. Obey first, which is the way it should be for believers nowadays. Obey first. That doesn't mean that there's no asking for forgiveness because there are genuine times where we mess up. Have anybody in here ever messed up? Uh, <laughs> we mess up, and repentance is required. If you want to move forward and do what you need to do, repentance is required because we've messed up. I mean, I've repented plenty of times. Not because I intentionally said no to God, which you should also repent of that. Let's not get that wrong, but... <laughs> Just, you know, you make a mistake. You start out with good intentions, and somewhere along the way, you blow it. You know, you, you don't hear, you think you heard, you didn't. You start doing your own thing, whatever the case is, something goes askew. Well, we repent, because it's not God's fault that something went wrong, right? Do we all know that? Hopefully we all know that by now, that when God tells you something, and you know the way that it's supposed to come out, and it doesn't come out that way, God didn't do that, right? We all know that? So that leaves only one other. We all did algebra, right, where... X plus Y equals Z. Well, X doesn't make mistakes. And there's only one other thing before the equal sign. So that one other thing is us. Just throwing that out there. So that's when sacrifices do come in. But God wants obedience. That's what he wants. Why? Because that's how things get done. Because he he didn't come to you and tell you he wanted you to do something just to see if you were going to do it. He wants that thing done that way for a reason. And and I've said this many times, but understanding is not a prerequisite of faith and doing and obedience. You don't need to understand to obey and have faith in what God has told you. The two are disconnected. Because oftentimes, I'd probably wager even a majority of times, you will not understand nor see the result in your mind of what God is asking you to do. He says, I want you to do this, and your mind is going to go, why? Well, 
We are all kids in God's eyes, and we all know how kids love that question, but God is not obligated to answer that question because we are called to walk by faith, which means when he tells us something, we need to believe that what he's told us is what we, what do we know about God? He's good. He never lies. And he's got our best interest in mind. So with those three things together, it doesn't really matter what he told us to do. Those three things are still true, no matter what it is, which means if I do what he told me to do, those three things remain true. So he's not, I'm not going to be hurt by this, by doing what he told me to do. I'm not going to end up in a bad place by doing what he told me to do. And that's when we circle back to, if you do, we missed it somewhere. We jumped off the wagon too early. We went on our own, on our own adventure. We did a choose your own adventure when God already chose the adventure. God doesn't want you to choose your own adventure. He wants you to follow the one he's laid out for you. It, trust me, it's a big enough adventure all on its own. You don't need to add more spice. There's plenty of spice there. <laughs> God, God doesn't say you've got to walk by faith for nothing. It takes faith to do what God asks you to do. Because he's going to ask you to do some things that are going to stretch you, that are going to pull you. Specifically, your mind and your flesh. Because they're not prepared for the things that God is going to ask you to do. Because frankly, they're not really all that involved in those things. Hmm. We're told as believers that we have one job, and in Deuter you don't have to turn there, but Deuteronomy 28.1, we're all familiar with that, hopefully, where it talks about listening and obeying the voice of the Lord your God. And if you are careful to do what he's telling you to do, what does that all sound like? Obedience. Obedience. Listen and do. Listen and do. That is the simplicity of God's will for your life. Now, simple, you ever done math? Simple doesn't mean easy. Those two are not necessarily equated. It's, it's simple, relatively speaking, to build a house. It's not easy to build a house. It's simple to build a shelter. It's simple to build a fire. I mean, the tools you need are, you don't need very much to build a fire. You ever tried to do it without matches or a lighter or something modern? It's not easy, but it is simple. <laughs> well, God's, God's designs for us are like that. They are simple. Listen and obey. It gets complex when we think it's more complex. Oh, well, it can't be that simple. No, it is that simple. And we have to remind ourselves of that constantly because the enemy comes in and he wants to make it complex. Oh, well, there's so many more things you have to consider. No, there really isn't. There really isn't. Well, what about, what about your family? What about your health? What about your finances? What about them? God told me to do this thing. And the answer is simply, am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? And the answer to that question is between you and God because you can fool all of us. I mean, you can fool people and say, oh, yeah, well, I'm glory to God. I'm Mr. Miss Faith person. Well, you can fool everybody down here into thinking that's true because we're fallible. We don't know everything. We, we believe what we see a lot of times, even though we should know better. But God doesn't, God's not fooled by that. You can even lie to yourself, and God is still not fooled. He sees right through it. And yet people still try. They still try to fool God. Oh, whoa, God, I, well, and that's what Saul tried to do there. Well, I, I did this. 
to bring offerings back. No, you did it because you wanted stuff. What do you mean you did it to bring offerings back? Get, get, get out of here. And then he tried to blame it. Oh, well, it was those people you put me over. Oh, you mean the king, the king who always does whatever he wants, suddenly decided to listen to the people. Oh, really? That's, that's what you're going with. God's not fooled by any of the reasons that we could come up with. He's not. It's better to just be honest. This way you can move forward. Because that's where the enemy gets you, is he, he tries to get you to be dishonest with yourself, so then you start to believe the stuff you're peddling. You've met people like that, where they lie so often they start to believe their own stuff. It's, and it's sad, really, because you, you can see that they believe what they're saying, and they're so lost. They're just lost. And then when, when, they're, that, when they're that way, the devil doesn't have to do anything else. He's, they've got, they're in a circular destruction. They just go around and around and around. We don't want to be like that. We discussed at length this year in James when he talks about the tongue, controlling your tongue, and that it's the rudder of your life. Well, Attached to the rudder is the wheel, and you are the captain of your life because you're the one who controls your tongue. You control what you say. You are the one in control of your life. You are the captain at the wheel of the ship. You are the one that makes the decisions. That's why it's useless to try and blame stuff on other people. It's not their fault. It's our fault. And the quicker we realize that, it's not fun. It's not a happy message when you start to shoulder responsibility, but it does put you in a position to make the greatest amount of change in your life which should be an uplifting thing when you realize, hey, I've actually got some control here. You know, I, I don't have to bend to everything that comes my way. I can stand against things and push back and have success and conquer and succeed. But I have to choose to do that because you could just as easily not. Right? And that's our decision. And the quicker we realize that it's up to me, the better off that we'll be. Because God, God has stuff laid out for us. But if we continually go, well, I can't do that because of something out here, you shut down the entire plan. Because there will always be something out here. Always. 100% guarantee. Money back guarantee. That there will always be something. The devil will make sure of it. Your flesh will make sure of it. So if we're going to use that as a crutch to not do what God has told us to do, we're not going to go anywhere. And it's up to us. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I haven't been in that situation because I have. And I've chosen wrong for a long time. On many different issues, I might add. Not just a couple. But ultimately... I'm the one that has to make the change. You can't wait for some, they call it in writing a deus ex machina, which means something comes from the outside and changes, just poof, and the situation is different. That's lost on a lot of you. That's okay. <laughs> it's, it's like your, your hero in the story is going along, and he's in, he's, in a, he's in a situation that looks like he can't get out of it on his own, that he's going to fail, die, whatever. We've all seen movies like that. But then all of a sudden, this thing that is, you've had no indication of it before. There's been no attachment in the plot, in the story at all. 
suddenly comes in and plucks the hero out of that situation and sets them. That does not happen in our life. There is no such thing in real life as that happening. Now, God can do that if we let him. But that involves us hooking up with him because there is some level of us listening and obeying involved with that. He is the restorer. He can pluck you out of the middle of a destructive circumstance and move you out. But he's not just going to do it. We've got to listen. You've heard the adage about the guy who the floodwaters were rising and he said, oh, I I believe in God to come and save me. And the guy in a boat and you've you've heard the, the thing. The guy in the boat comes by. And then the guy, or I think it starts out with a big four-by-four because four the waters aren't that high. He comes by, hey, I'll get you out of here. No, canoe comes by, a big, you know, big boat comes by, and then a helicopter comes by, and then he dies because he said, oh, I'm waiting for God to save me. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Well, what is that? Not listening. All of those things were there to pluck that person out of the middle of that situation, but they, they didn't listen. They were there in their head. It was more complex than that. It was like, well, God's hand is going to reach down out of the sky and scoop me up and carry me away. No, no. Those are called drugs. Stay off drugs. <laughs> don't, don't do drugs. <clears throat> God will often, the majority of time, I mean, how many times when you read through the, the, the Bible is the miraculous, like God reaching down, there's not a person involved. It's pretty rare that there's no people involved with the situation or something at least physical very few times do you see stuff that like happened when the angel goes in and gets peter out of jail that does not happen all that often and guess what the angel could have kicked peter in the side and the angel could have said get up peter and he said he could have said leave me alone i'm sleeping And nowadays, you have a lot of people doing the equivalent of that, where God comes along and is trying to do something for them, and they say, leave me alone, I'm busy. Leave me alone, I've got this other thing going on. Leave, and and it, it can be, that crutch, that there's something else going on, can be anything. I mean, people will use any, any excuse to grasp, intentionally or no, because some people really do, the enemy has snowed them, has deceived them into believing they really can't do anything because of this thing. And that's something they've got to overcome. Yeah. And God can help, but you've got to be willing. Right. Saul wasn't willing. And it, it was here that God said, in, before Samuel came to talk to Saul, what did God say to Samuel? I regret having made Saul king. Oh, I, I don't ever want God to say, that he regrets doing something on my behalf. That, mm, 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 mm. And you know Samuel took it hard because Samuel put Saul there. I mean, not God told him to anoint Saul and everything, but he's connected to that man. I'd be peeved. I, oh, I'd be hot. Knowing that this man has so utterly failed that God regrets. Mm. I don't want that to ever be me, you know, and it's up to me. It's, it's, it, w- it was up to Saul. Saul could have done what God said, but he chose not to. And then he tried to spread the blame around. Oh, it's not my fault. 
It's those people you gave me. It's their fault. They did it, God. Hmm. Obedience is better than sacrifice. That's what God is looking for, obedience. We still have to sacrifice if we miss it, though. We still have to repent because that's how we get back on track. That's where the repentance comes in is is the first, the real, is, what is, what do they, I think it's, is it, um, is it the anonymous people that say for the first step is realizing that there's a problem? It's one of those groups that says the first step is realizing there's a problem. This is a problem. And that's our first step as believers too. We've got to realize this is a problem and identify it and say, this is the problem because then you've got to, you've got to deal with it somehow. And I, and I can't tell you how, because I don't know what it is. That's the thing about it is there's so many different, I can tell you generally, you need to go to the word of God and go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I've identified the problem. And oftentimes it's with his help because I don't know about you, but often I'm too thick to find a lot of the problems on my own. Or I've been with it so long that I don't even identify it as a problem anymore. That it's, it's, it's my, it's my companion now. I've, I've had this for so long that this isn't an issue, it, it just is. And it takes the Holy Spirit coming in and going, no, it, that's the problem right there. And then it's our, it's our, it's right there, it's our, that's the, the fork in the road. Am I going to listen and look at it as a problem or do I continue to hold on to it because I'm comfortable with it? And a lot of people say, how could you be comfortable with a thing? You'd be surprised. We are, we are coping masters. And when I say that, I mean we are extremely adaptable creatures. We can, we can adapt to almost any circumstance. Where do you think things like Stockholm Syndrome and stuff like that come from? You're adapting to your circumstance. Your mind and your emotions begin to wrap around and say, we can deal with this. We can deal with this. Well, what is the other side of that conversation? I shouldn't have to be dealing with this. And that's what the Holy Spirit comes and says, this is, this is not something you should be dealing with, and it's not something you should be taking into account when you decide whether or not you can do something for God. That's the other side of that conversation. Because if I say that, and let's just say, Let's say it's I have an emotional, like I have a problem with my temper. I have problems with self-control, and that's what I'm using. Well, I can't, I can't go talk to people because I get angry really easy. You know, so, or I'm socially awkward. I can't talk to people because I, have, uh, I don't have the social skills necessary to do it. Well, is that a problem? Sure. I mean, that's a legitimate problem. If you lack social skills or you're not able to control your emotions and you you tend to blow up at people real easy. That's a problem, right? But it's a fixable problem. But first, I have to say, I need to fix this problem. Because a lot of people are, they've, they've co-opted that into part of me. I am socially awkward, therefore I avoid social situations. That's just who, have you heard people talk like that? I'm a hermit. I don't, I, I don't go out and talk to people. I live in, you know. And they, may, they say things like that. 
And this is the reason why I don't do X, Y, Z. Well, what if God wants you to do X, Y, Z? All of a sudden they go, well, I, I just don't do that. Well, your, your God, Lord, Master, has just asked you to do something. Is this thing that I say is part of me, does it have more power over me than God has in my life? Your choice. God's not going to reach down and whoop, make it all better. He can help you. But first, I have to realize that this is the problem. And what's the next thing? It's not going to stop me. Because it's that, those type of things, any type of thing is not going to change overnight. If you have to deal with self-control, you're not going to be a master at anger management tomorrow. It's not going to happen. Having lived through that, I can attest to that. I had a very, very bad temper. Still do. But I control it now. Way better than I used to. Way better than I used to. Am I, am I a 100% grandmaster at controlling it? No. I have kids. It does creep up every now and again. I did. I, I'm up here, and I'll admit this to you because I'm up here. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't. I don't even remember what my son did, but the switch flipped in my head. And he had just gotten some kind of Nerf gun or one of those plastic whatever gun things. And I don't remember what he did, but it, it flipped that switch in my head. And I grabbed that thing from him, and I snapped it over my knee. And I threw it on the floor, and I said, there, problem solved. And I turned around and walked out of the room. Not in self-control. Not even a little bit in self-control. And I actually went back in and apologized to him later and said, I'm sorry. That was not appropriate. I was very angry. <laughs> and that's important because I made a mistake. And it's important to do that in, because if you take it and go, that was wrong. What is that? That's a problem. The next step is what? Correct it. Am I going to have more opportunities in the future to lose my temper? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I would wager that they're going to grow and increase over time. More opportunities. More opportunities. <laughs> Which means I have to continually choose. The problem's not going away. Even like health issues. Those, I mean, you can beat this one. Are you not ever going to have another health problem? You will. And the same conversation is going to come into play. I don't care if it's the same thing you've been dealing with. You beat it, it went away for a little while, and here it comes again. Why do you think people have chronic conditions? What is that? Beat it, here it comes again. Well, it's our choice. It's our choice. Do I let it stop me? Your decision. I can't answer that question for you. But I, what I can say with surety is God has stuff he wants you to do. Period. I know he does because he has stuff like that for everybody. 
I don't know what it is, but what I do know is the devil will try to use that thing to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. 100% guaranteed. He will. And he's going to get you your flesh to try and jump on his side and play both. He's going to try and push back you against with both. Him and your flesh are going to gang up on you and try to get you to not do what God wants you to do. Not obey. Not listen. Why? Because that's his game. He doesn't want you to go down that road. The further you go down the road, the more you beat up on him. He's not interested in that. Because ultimately, God is interested in people. And the further you go down that road, the more people you reach. In one way or another, you will reach more people. Because God, everything God does funnels back into the kingdom. Uh, everything. Every single thing. You, don't, you maybe don't see why or how or, or how they connect. Doesn't matter. Everything you do circles back into the kingdom. Because that's God's interest. God loves you, but you're saved. He wants more people saved. That's his interest. Souls bring more people into the kingdom of heaven. So what is, what is he aiming you to do? Bring more people into the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean you're going you're gonna to pound the sidewalks and go witness to people on the street? Maybe. Or maybe he's going to go have you run a multi-million dollar business so you can funnel hundreds of millions of dollars into the kingdom so that other people can go around the world and reach people. I don't know what he's going to have you to do. Maybe he's going to maybe he's going to have you be a critical influence in somebody else's life, an upcoming a, a child, a young person. He's going to have you your role in life is to be an influence in that child's life because he's raising that child up to be a world shaker. You don't know. You don't know. The point is, listen and obey. Too, too many people have these grandiose ideas and those come from the enemy. I guarantee you, guarantee you. Even if an idea about me being a world, world-shaking evangelist would come from the devil, absolutely, if it would get you off of doing what God has told you to do right now. 100%. He don't care. He quoted scripture to Jesus to try and get him to do something wrong. The devil does not have any rules, guys. The word literally says he will disguise himself as an angel of light. Well, why would he do that? To try and convince you to do something you otherwise wouldn't do. You think an angel of light's going to show up and say, hey, Sidney, I want you to go murder that person. No, because she'd go, uh, no, you're obviously not a real angel because real angels don't tell me that. But what an angel might do is show up and say, hey, I want you to give money. I want you to give all of your savings, Sidna, to this person right over here. And that person is a fraud, a liar, and a cheat. And you just gave all of your supplies into a fraud, a liar, and a cheat. Sounds like, hey, I'm a giver, right? I'm a Christian. I give to stuff all the time. That's what I do. I am a giver. You just gave away everything into somebody who's going to go spend it on booze, hookers, and cars. Well, how do you get around that? Listening and obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's how you get around that. Because you'll know. And turn to um, Romans chapter 8. No, wait, wait, wait. That's not, that's not where I want to go. Colossians three fifteen, In the Amplified. Amplified Classic. Colossians 3.15. <clears throat> 
Because we have, if we connect and listen and obey, we have somebody with us all the time that it enables us to know. That enables us to know the steps that we need to take and what we need to do and where and how and when. All of those things. And it says, and let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule and act as umpire continually in your hearts. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in, in your minds in that peaceful state. To which, as members of Christ's one body, you are also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule and act as umpire continually in your hearts. Deciding and settling with finality. How many questions? All, all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state. Who's he talking about there? The Holy Spirit. That's who he's talking about there. That's where that peace on the inside comes. That witness on the inside of you that says, that's right. That's what I need to do. That's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He's the one that witnesses with you in your spirit that you're saved. He witnesses with you in your spirit about everything else, too. This is where listen and obey. It's so simple and yet not easy. Because there are many voices in the land. That's why we run from in this church from time to time, spiritual ears. Because you need to know the voice that you're supposed to be listening to. So that you know when the Lord comes and says, this is what I want you to do, you'll know that that's him. Because like I said, the things that he asks us to do, they're not going to make sense to our heads. His head is not the one he's coming. He's not coming to connect with your head. That's why it doesn't make sense to our heads. And the quicker we come to that realization, the better off we'll be. It's like, I, I don't need to know why God is asking me to do this. I just need to know, well, I need to know one thing, that it's him. And then I need to do what he told me to do. I need to listen to the voice of the Lord and then obey. Simple. Not complex. Right? Can we all agree that that's pretty simple? That's what God has put in front of us. The simplicity of doing what he wants to, us to do. What the enemy wants to do, and you can write this down for time's sake, Romans 8, 1. It talks about there being no, now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That they're living by the Spirit, not by the flesh. That there's no condemnation in that. Well, what is that? That's when you actually blow it, and the devil tries to get you to do this. You're looking behind you. Instead of looking where you're going, you're looking back here thinking about all the ways that you've messed up. Look, guys, if we think about all the ways we messed up, we won't think about anything else. Because I don't know about you, but I've messed up a lot if behind myself. I endeavor to not do it in the future, but I've done it a lot back there. And the devil's game is, well, what about that time? What about this time? What about that time? What about, what about this time over here? You really messed up over there, and then you're thinking about that for the next week. Well, what is that? If you're, you ever tried to walk this way but look this way, it doesn't go real well. You're not built to do that. You don't have a whole lot of good spatial perception when your eyes aren't involved. You've got to have your eyes ahead. Now, 
you should consider some things in the past. You should consider the good things in the past. If we look at Israel, when they were in the wilderness, God had them build monuments and memorials all over the place. About what, though? Not about where they screwed up. About where God came through. About where God did something. About where they obeyed and something great happened and this happened and these miracles happened. Why? So that you can remember that the God you serve is faithful. That you can remember when junk comes up up here, we've already beat junk back here. This is just another piece of junk. And this one will fall just like the ones back there fell. If, if I listen and obey. Because what the devil wants you to do, you're cruising along on the interstate. And he's throwing up exit ramps faster than you could believe. Why does it, that's why it says in the Bible, don't look to the right or to the left. Don't do it. He doesn't, he, it's emphatic. Do not look to the right or to the left. Why? Because I should be concerned with going forward. This is where God has put me. Why do I need to look over here? God's not over there. God's over here. So why am I looking over here? Why? What reason is it that I'm looking over here? Because something caught my eye. Well, what is that? That's the enemy trying to get you to take an off-ramp. And then all of a sudden, you're somewhere. You, you ever driven somewhere and you realize, you look around and go, I should not be here. I've done that a few times. I should not be here. Well, whose fault is that? God did not bring me there. Right? That's what happens. That's, that's the enemy's game. We talked about it a few times ago when I talked about the minefields and the roadblocks. That's the enemy's game. He wants you to get off God's highway and into some, some podunk town in the middle of nowhere where they're going to take the tires off your car, car if you park at the gas station. That's where the devil wants you. And he does it by making you look to the right and look to the left. And he don't care how. He doesn't care what gets you. If he can steal a little bit of money from you, if he can wreck this relationship or make this person call you a bad name or, or take your health from you one way or another or wreck your car, I mean, it, he don't care what works as long as it works. That's why sometimes the devil does something, you just scratch your head and you go, you think that was going to work? Well, what, what is that? He's, he is the ultimate purveyor of throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. That's what he does. He'll throw everything at the wall. He just wants something to stick. And it's our job to make sure it doesn't. By what? Listening and obeying. Because God wants us to stay on the highway. He wants us to get from A to B. He does not want us to stop. There are no detours on God's highway. So we have to listen and obey. We have to let the peace on the inside be the umpire continually. Continually. Hmm. To settle with finality all Questions, not some, not some, all questions. Why? Because then we'll know we have the right answer. 
You ever try to answer a question and you go, I'm not really sure if that's the right answer. Well, with God, you can be sure. This is the right answer. And I'm not, say, I'm not standing up here saying ignore problems in your life to press forward. No. No, you cannot ignore problems. You cannot shove things under the rug and say, oh, if I, if I just, if I pretend it's not there, it's, it, it won't be there. No, these aren't monsters in your closet or under your bed when you were a kid. These ones will eat you if you let them, which means you have to beat them. You can't do it alone, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can. In the Word of God, you can. But first, you have to realize this, this thing is not my friend. This thing is not something I can put my arm around me and keep with me for the rest of my life because that's what the devil wants you to do. Just, it's, you know, you're used to it now. You can, you, can, you can live with that. It's not if I can because we can. We've already been over that. We can cope. We can cope with almost anything. But the question is, should I live with this thing? And the answer to that question comes from here, comes from the Word of God. That answers with finality that question. God, do I have to live with this thing for the rest of my life? Because sometimes the answer will be yes. Because Paul, Paul said, God, remove this thorn from my flesh. And what did, what did, what did God say? My grace, is, my grace is sufficient, Paul. What does that mean? You're going to have to deal with it for now until you get rid of it. Well, temptations aren't stopping. Assaults of the enemy aren't going to stop. So you can go to God and say, God, I want you to take all the temptation away from me. He's going to say, sorry, no. Sorry, no. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I'd like that. But that's not how that works. But if you go to God and say, God, this, this thing is what I'm dealing with, and I know it's a problem, what do I do? He's not going to be silent about that. Now, you may not like the answer you get back, especially considering the problem. I've, had, I've, I've gone to God and asked some things before and said, God, what do I do about this? Did not like the answer. Specifically, social stuff. I like this person. I like this person a lot. W but there's something wrong. What do I do? And he comes back and says, they need to go away now and not come back. That's not fun. Why? Because I have my arm around that thing. That thing's been with me for a long time. I'm comfortable with that thing. Heck, best friend I've had for years and years and years and years. And God says, got to go. What do you do? What do you do? Because it's not like I'm living in sin, right? But now I'm at the fork. God said. God said. What do you do? Because now... It wasn't sin right before I asked. It was killing me. It was. It would have killed me quick, soon, probably, I bet. But when you ask, now you have an answer. 
Now you know what you need to do. Now you're taking that step from ignorance to now I know. And now people don't like to think about this, but now you've stepped into where if you say, no, I'm not going to do anything about that. You've just stepped out from any kind of grace that God was extending over you. Because now you know. And grace is very heavy when ignorance is involved. Like, and I'm not talking, oh, I, I don't know that. No, don't lie to yourself. I mean actual ignorance. God is extremely merciful and patient. Glory to God. But when you know, that changes everything. Because the word says, those who know what to do and don't do it, that is sin. And that's not... <laughs> A lot, I know a lot of people that go, well, that's why I don't ask God anything. <laughs> that's not, you can't, you can't live life like that either. Because that kind of decision is a decision all in itself. You can't do that either. I just don't ask and then I don't know. That's, that's, not, how that, <laughs> that's not how that works. But you have a decision to make. And that's, that happens in all areas of your life. Where you go, this thing, this thing. And you got to remember, it doesn't matter what people have told you, what doctors, what financial specialists, what therapists, what anybody has told you about how permanent this thing is, about how unavoidable this thing is. It's not true. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not true. Your call. It's your call. Do you want to? Because God will lay out for you a path to get you out of there. If, if, Deuteronomy 28, you will listen to, hearken, and obey the voice of the Lord your God and do the things that he's commanded you to do, you'll get your way out of it. It's going to involve, I guarantee you, I will stand up here and shake your hand and look you straight in the eye and tell you it's not going to be easy. It will not be comfortable. You likely will not like it. You will not enjoy it, but you will get out of it. You will. Why? Because God's led me through, I'm still here, God's led me through all kinds of junk, of attacks and self-created junk. Led me through it all. And I'm still standing here. Glory to God, by his mercy and his grace, I'm still standing here. We all are, which means, if you can take a breath, that means you've still got another day to get to, to listen and obey. Take steps. Take the steps God has laid out in front of you. Step by step by step. There is no such thing as a leap of faith with God. He's just asking for your steps. Take this next one. Take the next one. Take the next one. Why? Because it's the steps that get you where you need to go. It's the steps. It's the small, the listening and obeying, the listening and obeying. And it doesn't matter if, if he tells, you know, you go to God with this problem in your head that's the size of Mount Everest. And you look at it and go, this is insurmountable. And you go to God and you go, God, you've got to help me get out of this. And he says, I need you to read your Bible for 10 minutes every day. And you go, God, but that's not going to solve this. Shut your mind up. Shut your mind up. Shut it up. It clearly doesn't know what to do because it got you in this circumstance to begin with. So shut it down, shut it up, and just do what God tells you to do. You don't need to understand. He knows what he's doing. 
We need to remember that. Trust him enough. God, God knows what he's doing, okay? He's not dumb. He's not a fool. And he's done this more than a few times, okay? Just trust him. Listen and obey. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you do have a plan in mind for each and every one of us. You have things laid out for us, Father, and we ask you right now with open hearts and open ears to show us the steps we need to take to move forward with what you have for us to do. Whether it's to look at a problem and decide to deal with it, Father, or, or how to take the next step in the direction that we're going, we're ready to hear from you and we are ready to move forward. We thank you for your anointing and your leadership of your Holy Spirit because we would be lost without you, Father. So we thank you and praise you for it. And Father, you've directed us to bring our tithes and our giving to your house, Father, to you. You've called us to do that. And so we do it with a willing and happy and glad heart, Father, because we know that it opens the doors for us to move in your financial plan, Father God, because that is the step we take to move forward on the road in that area. And we thank you for it, and we do it with a joyful heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you need an envelope, they're on the seat backs in front of you, or if you need to ask for one, the ushers will get you one. Thank you for joining us on live stream this morning. Appreciate you being out there. If you want to give, you can go to new, our website at newlifefamilyworship.net and use the giving link. Um, we always like to hear from you guys, so if you have any prayer requests or praise reports or anything, reach out to us by email or on social media, and, uh, and we'll do whatever we can for you or rejoice with you or pray for you, whatever. <laughs> We're here to hear from you, so we appreciate you reaching out, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Amen.